Hello friends and welcome back to Hey Adora. This is Princess Jenny coming to you with some announcements at the top. We hope you all have been having a fantastic summer. I am coming to you alone today because Mef is recuperating from having done an amazing live show at FlameCon all by themselves because we had so many shenanigans in the week leading up to FlameCon. We worked our little Ethereum butts off all summer to be ready for this super fun, super exciting live show. And then three days before the show, I got COVID. So our dear, illustrious and noble Force Captain Mef did the whole thing solo. Um, and we also were able to get a fantastic guest co-host, Mef's friend TK from the podcast X is for Podcast, which is a queer X-Men podcast had a fabulous guest co-host and they're old friends. So the banter was still a flowing. So that was a big, awesome bucket of shenanigans. Um, so I wasn't there, but I did hear the recording and friends, it's dope. You're gonna love it. So Meph is having a well-earned rest right now from FlameCon and from their birthday weekend, which just passed. So you can all wish Meph, Force Captain Meph, a very happy birthday on the social medias. So I wanted to tell you all about that. Thank you, FlameCon, for hosting us and for supporting us through all of that shenanery. We, the collective we, had a great time. And the collective we enjoyed meeting everyone who came out and networking and giving out stickers and doing all the fun things that people do at live events. And I am still looking forward to my first live show, which will be in the future. Now that our live show cherry has been popped, we'll be going to lots more live shows in the future. We are quite sure of that. So today's episode is the season two finale, Fun with Bo's Dads, yay. And after this episode, our next episode will be part two of our race and S-pop discussion that has already been recorded. So that will be coming to you in the not distant future. And sometime in October, we will be having our next live watch with our patrons in our super fun Patreon community. If you're not part of our Patreon community, it's super easy to join. Memberships start at $3 and give you access to all of our fun Discord community happenings, live watches, live chats, all sorts of fun stuff we got going on. And after our next race and S-pop discussion, we will head right into season three in the fall. So that's all kinds of fun stuff we have coming up. And that is all we have to tell you right now. Happy summer. Happy Labor Day weekend for those of you going back to school, doing back to fall things. Happy new school year. Happy new Jewish year coming up for those of you in the tribe. And here is our next episode. Hey folks, and welcome to Hey Adora, your queer Shira podcast. I'm Force Captain Matt, they them. And I am Princess Jenny, she, her. And today we are talking about Bo's dads. I love Yay! Bo's dads. I love Bo's dads Our so much. favorite dads in all of Ethereum. I know, they're so good. Sandals and socks dads. Yes. <laughs> Dad joke dads. Dad joke tough PTSD dads. Aww. With a heart of gold. Today's episode is Reunion. It is season two, episode seven, written by Josie Campbell, head writer, story by Jasmine Goggins, Mickey Quinn, our regent of Catradora, and Jessica Zamet. It is directed by Jen Bennett. 
Also, this is the season two finale. And it is the season two finale. We had a short season for season two, which... Yes, we have discussed previously how they decided to do it this way, and they had their reasons. Right. But some of us, like, I pretty much think of season two and season three as one season. So I think of this as as a mid-season finale, because that's just how it makes sense to me in terms of the narrative flow. Agreed. I feel the exact same way. I'm glad that we're on the same page. Yeah, I love it when we agree with things. Yes. Two queers, one mind. Two queers, one mind. <laughs> we don't always agree, but when we do, we really fucking yes, agree on shit. Yes, we do. Anyways, this is a very fun episode. We've it had is. a lot of heavy stuff lately. Yep. And this is mostly good times. This is mostly good times and some very important exposition. Yes, there is some important exposition built into this episode oh my god jenny we're gonna be doing that so much throughout this episode (laughs) it is our duty as princesses and also as scholars yes princess scholars of the academy of the academy yes 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 so let's start where we are we're starting in bright moon starting in bright moon with our friend Bo, who is the star of this episode yay Bo! i love Bo episodes yes yes it's always there aren't that many but no no it's it's great when you have a character who is present a lot but who you know we don't really ever see their backstory and then you get one episode where it's like hey here's this person's entire backstory i know i love it it's like uh the zeppo kind of episode which is uh yes which is an episode of buffy the vampire slayer which focuses on xander who is a trash bag but the zeppo is an awesome episode yes that's a good example even though we are not fans of xander that is an excellent example of what type of episode this is yeah xander's gross but that is a good episode and that is kind of what this is are like opposite ends of one spectrum exactly they're both supposed to be uh, they're both the heart right they're both the the ones that don't have the superpowers the everyman regular person who doesn't have any superpowers in the group and yet you know is is important to the group in spite of or maybe because of that and has the heart you know. Yeah. I mean, Bo literally has the, yeah, like, yeah. has an open heart, right? Yes. Everywhere. Bo's heart is his entire character. Including on the bottom of his shoes, which I really want to get to, yes, which we're going to yes. get to soon. So a lot of people in other podcasts that reference Buffy and Avatar often refer to Xander being the low end of that spectrum and Sokka mm-hmm. being on the high end. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. And then Bo is, I would put Bo even above Sokka. It doesn't have to be a contest, but yeah. you know, if I think it it's were. a spectrum. It's a spectrum. I it's think spectrum. Sokka's like on like the middle to high because yes. Sokka has a journey of not being like, of being kind of like, that's you true. know, he kind of learns yeah. how to not be that like kind of toxic dude. Right. That's true. That's true. And Bo just embodies it wholly and wholly. fundamentally. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's true. If anything, Bo's growth is is about like self-discovery and not about like shedding toxic masculine traits. That's true. That is very, very true. So we start off with Bo hanging out on top of the castle with his tracker pad, trying to work on the clues they got at the end of the last episode. Mara, Portal, Serenia, trying to figure out these clues. And then he gets a little calendar notification on his little tracker pad. Boop, boop. Oh, no. (laughs) Was that today? Oh, no. What? Bo? What secret? What secret do you have waiting for us? Something's happening. Something's happening. He forgot. See, when you put a calendar notification in your calendar, 
You have to remember not to just have it go off five minutes before the event. You got to give yourself time. I like to set things to remind me like a week before and then a day before and then an hour before. So I have plenty of warnings. You got to give yourself time. So Bo did not give himself time. No. So off he goes. And then we have a quick transition to Adora's room where Glimmer immediately teleports in. Emergency! Adora, get up! It's Bo! He's in trouble! And Bo, and Adora has a friggin' dagger under her pillow, which- Of course she does! A, a jeweled dagger! A bejeweled dagger that has, like, a magical genderqueer clit, too. Yep. Because, you know, Adora. Real quick, real quick theme song. Credits, credits, credits. Are we gonna win in the end? Probably, yes. Probably. I mean, at this point, yeah. Yeah, we go right back to Adora's room- Glimmer is very worried. Bo's gone. His hours are gone. He left a note. Yep. And Adora is not that worried. She's like, this note that says, I'm fine. Don't follow me. It kind of reminds me of those memes that are like, if I'm kidnapped, here's the one thing that you will hear me say to know that I am, right? Like, Right. Here's like my opposite safe word. Right. right? <laughs> like mine would be like, I think ponchos are neat or something like that, you know? Yeah. So, and you know, like it's kind of, they're setting us up. Yeah. To have a lighthearted episode where, you know, Adora's like, oh, this note that says I'm fine, don't follow me. And Glimmer's like, he's not fine. We have to follow him. You know, womp womp. <laughs> oh, Glimmer. Adora's like, okay, okay, calm down. I agree. Okay, you know, so where does he go when he's not at Bright Moon? Uh-huh, and Glimmer. Question. Glimmer. It, it should be an easy question, right? Right, because Glimmer's his best friend. They've right. been best friends for what, like, their entire lives, as right. far as we know? As far as we know. Right, so this is where Glimmer reveals to Adora and all of us that she doesn't know anything about Bo's private life. Uh-huh. Because he's never talked about it. And yeah. she just assumes that it's dark and painful and she respects his privacy and has not pushed him to talk about his traumatic past. I like that she just assumes that it's dark and painful because everybody else's is dark and painful. Yeah, they live in this war-torn world, you know, full of war orphans. So it's a reasonable conclusion. It's a reasonable conclusion. And she, you know, she respects the fact that, you know, if he wanted to talk about it, he would talk about it. Yeah. They were like, okay, we don't really know where Bo goes, but let's let's follow him, right? Yes. Because of his very distinctive footprints, it should be easy to follow him. Yeah, yeah. I like that Adora's doing the whole, like, well, these twigs are broken. And also, and it's playing with, like, the tree sap. And it's like, oh, right, yeah, also. Right, right. <laughs> plus this. Plus this. Plus, you know, the, the hearts on the bottom of his shoes. Right. Like, his, when I was little, my mom had a bunch of really cool stamps. Not just, like, little kid stamps, mm-hmm. but, yeah, like, yeah. really cool art stamps. Yeah. Because my mom was an artist and I had like this whole cool typographic alphabet and a bunch of other cool stuff. So I'm just imagining like he's got like stamps on the bottom of his feet. He's literally like stamping a path. Like, I love that. Boop, boop, follow along this trail of stamps. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. You know, I'm, I'm guessing you know? when he's going, he's definitely saying that. Boop, 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 boop. Going oh, to yes. a mystery spot. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, so very, very easy to follow. If you if you are of a mind to follow Bo, yep. that can be accomplished pretty easily. And they find his arrows, and that really freaks out Glimmer. Yes, 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 because Bo would never leave his arrows behind, because what is Bo without his what arrows? What is Bo without his arrows? He is merely a... Oh, I get it now. Yeah, it's kind of ironic that they named him Bo, right. not intending for him to be an archer. right. 
Right. Oh, those wacky dads. But, you know, it's almost like they were begging for it. It's almost like they were begging for it. So they they managed to find him fairly easily. Right. But at this magical place. This magical library in the middle of the Whispering Woods that they somehow didn't know was there. Right. It's just in the middle of the woods. <laughs> I was talking about that with my girlfriend, and we were like, how do they... First of all, how does nobody know there's a library there? Second right. of all, how do these dads not know that there's an entire, like, fake academy? Like, there's all sorts of, right. like... Right, how do they not know that this right. was not a real academy? Right. Like, you just send your child off to boarding school without vetting it at all to even know that it's not a real place? How do they have money? They just trust Bo yeah. so implicitly that they don't even bother checking when he's like, I got into the academy of school. <laughs> now and i'll see and i'm gonna be off on break in six months so i'll come back then yeah oh that sounds great son yeah and i'll come back for like a week but then i have to go to my internship for learning (laughs) yes learning things learning things i also really (laughs) love the library because it reminds me of the library of wan Tong from avatar yes i was thinking the exact same thing yeah so wan Tong is the knowledge spirit who is an incredible giant uh, owl it's super cool yes who uh runs a library in the middle of the desert underground underground in avatar the last airbender yes and it's really cool and has all of the knowledge uh that has ever existed yes which must be guarded very carefully lest it fall into wicked hands into the into wicked hands for four men use this knowledge for wicked things yes yes that's another example of a spirit an asian you know mythology spirit that can be viewed as not necessarily good or evil, but its entire job is to guard this knowledge. Yes. And if you cross this spirit, it will be dangerous to you. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not, you know, its motivation is just to protect this knowledge. So if you don't fuck with it, it won't fuck with you. Right, exactly. And, you know, of course they fuck with it, but... Of course they fuck with it. But they think, you know, for the right reasons. And, right, you know, right. It's, 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 it's more complex than just like good spirits and evil spirits as is often the case in more in Western mythology. Exactly. Um, but for here, we just have Bo's dads who have a yes, giant Bo's library. Yes, dads who are not, They're not evil spirits. spirits of any kind. They're just adorable They're just dads. wonderful. Dorky, history-loving. Love, I love those dads. Yes. I love them. So here we are in the library. So before we get to the, to the dads, we have Bo. Mm-hmm. Glimmer and Adora appear in the library, and they find Bo profoundly not looking like himself for one specific reason. Why does the bow not look like himself, Math? His midriff is covered. He is wearing <laughs> a full length shirt tucked into his pants. Who does that? No bow. Who does that to bow? No bow we ever have met has ever done that ever. And he looks so forlorn about it. He looks so sad, but he's also got those like, he's like wearing glasses too, right? It's like, yeah, like he looks super cute. He, he looks very cute, but, like, you can just tell it's like he's in drag. Does he? And yes. And he's not happy about it. Yes. It's not the kind of drag where you're like, woohoo, I'm living my best life. Right. He's living, he's wearing the kind of drag that you wear when you have to go visit your grandparents. <laughs> he is totally wearing grandparents' drag. Also, does this mean Bo wears contacts? Who knows? Who knows? It could be, those could just be prop glasses, honestly. Oh, that's true, to make him look more like a scholar. With yes. intelligence. I got myself a pair of prop glasses my senior year of college, 
And they were for no one's benefit except my own because I was starting to have real concentration problems my senior year of college. And I decided that I might have better luck focusing on my homework if I put on glasses because then I would condition my brain to be like, glasses are on, it's homework time. Oh, I love that. Like a little cognitive hack. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't like... They weren't like actual glasses. Though. There were, yeah, yeah, there was no, it wasn't prescription lenses. It, you know, it looks the same with them or without them. I love that. So it helped a little, but yeah. the truth is, you know, I was just really burned out and I needed to take time off from school, which I did. <laughs> and that helped a lot more than fake glasses. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Once again, kids, self-care helps yes. more than fake glasses. But you never know. You, you gotta try know. and see what exactly. works. Exactly. Glimmer and Adora show up, ready to break Bo out of this dangerous situation. Whatever it is. Yes. They're like, what's the situation? We're here. We're ready to defend you. Right. It's like this dangerous situation where you, like, nerd situation. What is this? Yes. Yes. They're like, what? Who are we fighting? So and Bo's like, no, get out. No, no. Yes. You guys need to leave. This is not a place for you. Yes. And we're here to fight who? And then open, here opens the door. And who's there? Dads! It's dads! It's dads! Yay! Adorable dads. So we've got one dad who strongly resembles the original Bo from the original 1980s She-Ra. Yep, he's got the... He's got the the, the mustache. Uh-huh, and like the... I like how his hair also is kind of winged to look like his mustache, which I think is adorable. Yes, and that's very much an 80s hairdo also. Yep, he's graying at the temples. He has a like a gray mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, his mm-hmm. name is George, and mm-hmm. fun fact, he's actually named after the actor that played Bo. So the actor that played Bo in the 80s show, his name was George. So Oh, I did not know that. That's lovely. Isn't that cute? I love it. And then we have Lance, who mm-hmm. is adorable. I love Lance, first of all, because yes. Lance is like that like kind of like crunchier, like softy. Super soft. Uh, yeah. He has like long dreads that go down to the middle of his back. He has a five o'clock shadow, little reading glasses, and of course, the ultimate dad accessory, socks and sandals. Yes, and he's the one who does the big puppy eyes. He's the big puppy eyes. He's the one who wants to get you snacks, whatever your friends want. I want you guys to be happy and comfortable here. Our house is your house. He is just the warmest, most welcoming, sweet dad ever. Yes, yes. So they're the ones who ultimately let us know what's happening by saying to Glimmer and Adora... We're so happy to finally meet Bo's school friends. And Bo was like, play along. These are my friends. Yeah. From yeah, the academy. Yeah. Meet my yes, dad. Yes. And they're just lovely. So that's that's what's happening. Bo's got good dads. Meanwhile, back in the fright zone where no one has good parents. Yes. Or any parents. Or any at parents. All. Yeah. We're back with Katra and our favorite. Powerhouse Polycule! Yeah! Thank you. Thank you very much to our Patreon members who uh, decided that their name is now the Powerhouse Polycule. Yay! So Catra is not keeping it together super well. She's freaking out because she lost Shadow Weaver. So she's just basically telling her peeps they got to... You know, she, but she's trying to tell them to find Shadow Weaver without admitting that she lost Shadow Weaver. So she's just like telling them to report anything suspicious directly to her. Yeah. And Lonnie's like, this is bullshit. Uh, Shadow Weaver's not in her cell. 
Yeah, and Catra's trying to, she's like, well, that's because I sent her to solitary. Right, now right, shut right. the fuck up and look for anything suspicious. Right. And Scorpia also is there. Scorpia's like, now Catra, Lonnie's just trying to answer your question. Right. Catra is just in no mood. She's not having it. You have your orders. Go do it. Shut the fuck up. That's real quick scene. Yep. And then we switch right back to the library. We switch right back to the library. And so this is actually my first Professor Smart Brain moment. Oh, yay. So I wasn't sure this episode would have any of those. I have a couple, but this one. Let's hear it. This one is fun. So uh, the transcript that we have says, Sweet scene switches to the library and uh, pleasant piano music plays. Yes. And so this is my professor's smart brain moment on classical music. Okay. So uh, the music that you hear right now, I have as, quote, there's some very piano forte shit right here. So the piano forte (laughs) is kind of uh, the last precursor to like the grand piano. And the song itself, the tune here, that's very short, um, is very classical music informed. So when I'm talking about classical music, there's the higher level of classical music, which what I'm speaking of is Western classical music here, which is a... a, uh, it's not pop music or folk music. It's kind of a more formalized, uh, more formalized genre of music is actually what it's described as, which is interesting. But I'm specifically talking about the classical period of classical music, which is Mozart. Uh, let's get into a tiny bit of where classical music comes from, and we're going to learn a teeny, 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 tiny bit of music theory today. All right, so we're going to talk about the classical period of classical music. It was an era of classical music roughly between 1730 and 1820. So it falls between the Baroque period of music and the Romantic period. So what separates it from the Baroque period uh, into the Romantic period? So classical music has a lighter, clearer texture than Baroque. It uses a more sophisticated form. There's kind of a plug-in form here that is uh, informed by ideas sought to emulate the ideas of uh, classical Greek antiquity of like order and hierarchy. So this is this is a little kind of in the weeds, but I promise I'm going to make it fun and accessible for everybody. So, okay. so one of the major things that we hear in classical music versus Baroque music is the, the music is mo- mainly homophonic. By the way, I would like to say that <laughs> when I... Homo. Well, okay. So I actually want to say Sorry. this. When I looked... No, no, no. I said the same thing because, you know, I'm like 12, right? So I yes. looked up uh, homophony or homophony. Um, and when you look up homophony, homophonic, it goes to... Or homophonic, it goes to the you know definition for homophony. And it says on the bottom, not to be confused with homophobia. <laughs> So, I mean, that's important distinction. Absolutely. So, what is just a really quick thing? What is homophony? Can I guess? Yes, please. As someone who has studied um, etymology a lot and does not speak Latin but knows, you know, suffixes and roots of words. Let's hear it. Homo, Uh same. Uh huh. Phonic, sound. Okay. So sounds that are the same or of a similar kind? This is correct. Yay! I win a big gay prize! Homophonic music has one main melody supported by additional musical lines, which is the harmony. So in homophony, the individual parts make up the harmony and the melody also must have the same rhythm. So what is an example of homophonous music? Pop music. Anybody playing chords on a guitar and singing a melody over it is homophonous. 
what does that have to do with classical music? So classical music kind of focused on that because once again, we're kind of going with the ideas of emphasis on order and hierarchy and a cleaner, clearer style that uses clearer divisions between the part. So a clear single melody accompanied by the chords that are in the same scales as the melody. There's also a brighter contrast and tone colors, which is achieved by the use of dynamic changes. Um, So it's not all one volume and modulations, which is key changes. Mozart is the dude. Like, Mozart is the dude. When we think of classical music, we think of Mozart and Mozart's music. So, like, the two big things that illustrate this, really two very, very well-known examples is Eine Kleine Nachtmusik, which is bum, 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 bum. Yes, of course. And the Mozart's Piano Sonata number 16 in C major. Other classical composers, Joseph Haydn is also kind of the other big dude. And the early works of Beethoven. Yeah, I was going to say, what about Beethoven? So Beethoven straddles the line between uh, the early works of Beethoven are more classical influence and the later works, as he goes into later in his life, uh, are considered part of the more romantic movement. Mm. So why do we use classical music here? There is a very common trope specifically used like in cartooning. I mean, anywhere really, but like kind of a like a, a media, that, a medium that speaks in like a broader sense of cartooning and burlesquing and stuff like that. Um, that classical music is the music of the educated and it is formalized music. So right here, we're using the trope of the classical music, the little like piano, like the light piano melody with the strings that are in chord with it, right? And it's very Mozart, like very Mozart informed to show that they are in a place of uh, education, of uh, formality and of taste. Intellectualism. And intellectualism. Um, We have the same thing here with the T set. So the tea set also kind of is the visual kind of cue for that too. They're sitting and having high tea, which is, you know, they're sitting and having tea out of like mm-hmm. formal tea sets. It's not a, a formalized high tea, but it is no, also because no. that has a whole thing. That's a whole yeah. other thing. This is not high tea. It's, it's not high tea. tea. But they are sitting around eat, drinking like, you know, the, the pinkies with like the really cute matching tea set. You know, they have yes, the teacups yes. and the and the teapot and the, yes. you know, the saucers. Yes, yes. This is all cues that they are in an academic, intellectual, ivory tower type of setting. Exactly. Exactly. So the, you know, the music in this indicates that. So that yes. was my professional, professor smart brain moment on classical music. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent correlation. 100% spot on. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And also, there's definitely big art history tie-ins to Western art history tie-ins between like Baroque art movement and like the classical movement and stuff like that. So yeah, 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 yeah. So here we are having high tea, having high tea and listen to Mozart with George and Lance. With George and Lance, which sounds lovely, honestly. Yes, Lance really wants to get us snacks, anything we want, any type of snack. And George is like, all right, husband, relax. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. This goes into one of my favorite comedic choices by Amy in the entire series. (laughs) When she decides, for whatever reason, that the best way... To play, you know, scalar is to continually put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. It's so good. Like, sure, I guess. That's one 
one choice you could make, and it's uh, it's very very funny. And it also it's a really great character choice because it shows that Adora's like education yeah. was not formal like a formal academic yeah. education, yeah. but a practical and tactical education. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a great character choice, and it's so dumb at the academy yeah. that we all go to. <laughs> And yeah, so it gives oh. us a little backstory about where Bo's dads think he is when he is not at home. Uh-huh. The Academy of Historic Enterprises. Which of course is definitely a true real place. It's like the school yes. of the school of learning for students. Yes, yes. Uh, and Liz is super hype to share all of his stuff, too. Yes, He's like, look yes. at all our cool stuff. Yes, this historical thing from this period, all the first one's artifacts, and he shows them the ancient tablet. Yeah. And so I don't know about you, but I'm just imagining, like, you know, a thousand years in the future, people in museums looking at, like, old dusty iPads <gasps> that don't work anymore. Yes, I absolutely brought that up as, like, Someone's going to look at this book, but like a comic book or something like that and be like, ah, yes, and these were the gods that were worshipped, right? Like, like that's super <laughs> yeah, going to happen. Of course, of course, of course. I mean, that was something, this is, you know, but especially specifically with the tech stuff, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not, you know, like every, every cultural object eventually becomes an anthropological object of study. But specifically with the tech stuff, it was funny. Yeah. You know, because on this show, especially all the ancient tech. Yeah, yeah. That's a funny, it's a funny thing to line up specifically in your mind. Yes. And I love that. I love that. Because like Adora has the connection, has like a direct connection to all of these, has direct knowledge of this. Right, right. So, and that's a really fun like dichotomy. Right. So we get some more backstory exposition um, as Lance is showing them all the stuff. And George says, oh, yes, that pottery Bo's older brother sent it. And Glimmer is like so shocked that Bo has one brother even. Bo has a brother? And she does a spit take, which I love. She does a spit take. And Lance says, oh, yes, he's the youngest of 13. All historians. All historians. But for some reason, Bo is the one who has to stay home and take over the library, even though all 12 of his brothers are also historians. I mean, maybe they're out like being like, you know, court historians for the you know, the kingdom of snows or like archaeologists or shit like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's there's plenty of historian jobs to go around. <laughs> In Etheria. <laughs> yeah, it's just ironic that, you know, yeah. he's got 12 historian brothers who want to be historians. In theory, we right. have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing. All, if they all authentically want to be historians also, or if they're also hiding their truth from their dads right. because they don't want to break their sweet little hearts. But it's just ironic that the, no one else had been like, hey, I'd like to take over, since I am a historian, I'd like I'd like a chance at taking over this awesome historical library from my family. Right, yeah. You know, he's like, has to be forced to do it. Yeah. So. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, and then we have some more dad jokes. Yes. Very cute. Very cute dad puns. Yeah. Also, this is kind of like a double pun, right? So it's it's a play on the word chatty, right? And also mm-hmm. there's like a little like slant to chai. A nice All little right. like a nice little double pun there. Everyone appreciates a good dad pun. Who doesn't appreciate a do- like a, a nested dad pun too? Because of course yeah. you know they're smart. They tell wordy jokes, right? They they do wordplay, like of course, of yeah. course. They could do fart jokes, but they choose to do wordplay. No, these dads would not do fart jokes. Exactly. These are, these are these are pun pun dad these joke are pun type dads. of dads. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. 
So Bo is low-key panicking this entire time. He's trying to get them out, but, you know, that's not happening. Lance wants to give them a tour of the library. Which he's very excited about. Yes, he brings up, you know, he wants to show them everything in their collection, including the prize jewel of their collection, which is a shard from an ancient defunct runestone. Which is interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Because it means there's like a defunct kingdom. Yeah, right with like a defunct princess. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. And actually, I've been wondering something in the back of my mind for a while, and there's never been like a perfect episode to bring it up. When overall, we have wondered whether before the first ones came and colonized mm-hmm. Etheria, was there originally an Etherian Shira that the first ones um, took over? Right, yeah. Um, and I've been wondering lately whether that's just not the case at all. Whether right. there was originally an Etherian balance of princesses and runestones mm-hmm. and all these different kingdoms. Yep. And then in order to take that over and create the heart of Etheria and create this weapon that the first ones could control, they created Shira and they created the sword to, to master all of these other princesses. And to be the princess of power. Right. Because right, yeah. there is no there is no natural Ethereum runestone for Shira. They created the sword, and the sword is her portable runestone. Yep. So maybe there never was an Ethereum Shira. Because huh. we, we don't know how long the first ones were there before they left. We have absolutely no way of knowing. That's it true. It could have been thousands of years, it could have been a hundred years. Right, exactly. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. So I feel like there's no real way of knowing that. Hmm. So that's just something I've been wondering lately. I wonder what other people People think about it. Yeah, I want to hear what everybody has to think about it. Now we have evidence of a defunct runestone. I wonder if there is a Catra Meow Meow Applesauce kingdom. Oh my god! Oh my god, I would love that! A cat kingdom! Wouldn't it be cool? That would be very cool. I would vacation there. I would totally vacation at the cat kingdom. Are you kidding me? But we're both cat gays, so. Yes, yes. So they don't truck with that, uh, they don't truck with that princess nonsense here. Yes, yes. They're only keeping that because of the historical value. They don't want to have reminders of the princesses and their wars around here. So we have George here, who was an enlisted soldier, for for what he believed in. And George uh, definitely has a has a bit of the PTSD here. He's like, you know, he has the PTSD of an ex-soldier, and he doesn't want to engage in any sort of, yeah. of this fighting. Yeah. And he's just completely, like, he's completely disengaged. Yeah. And bitterness also. I think absolutely. it's more than just PTSD. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he came home, and his village was gone. Yeah, yeah. Burned to the ground. So he feels like, you know, why should I risk my life and my family if it's all for nothing? Yeah. Definitely. And I do feel like even though I don't want to invalidate his feelings, because his feelings, of course, are 100% valid, his uh-huh. experience is valid. Yeah, absolutely. But in some ways, I feel like there's a, a way in which you could see this as victim blame. Hmm. Because the uh-huh. princesses tr- certainly tried to stop his village from being burned. Right, but it's... They did their best. Absolutely, but it's a war. And if the rebellion hadn't been there, that certainly would have happened anyway. Yeah. It probably just would have happened sooner. Yeah, that's true. You know, these things happen in a war. And I, I kind of want to just wing so- bring up something really quick. So mm-hmm. I definitely spent some time talking to my girlfriend about this because we both really love this episode. And she actually brought up that there's something really interesting about the, the characters being historians and being so focused on the past that they're not really, you know, they're kind of like isolated because, you know, they're historians. Yes. Bo's dad, yes. you know, Bo's dad, George, you know, won't won't engage in any sort of like external world and lance is very like about like here's the past here are the baby pictures here's the history Mm -hmm. here's the stories 
So I thought that was a really cool like thought. No, you're absolutely right. And that does come up later. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Later in the series. Yeah. Bo says to them directly, I don't remember what episode, I'm sure other people do. You can't just hide out here. Yeah, absolutely. Being mired in the past. Yes. You know, we're here now in the present and you have to engage. And you and have they, to engage. At that point, they're like, yes, you're right. We are studying the past so that we can make it useful to you mm-hmm. and give you clues as to how to move forward, which is the ultimate use of the study of history. Absolutely. I mean, that is one of the reasons why I, I love history so much. Um, I'm a big history Amen. nerd. I'm a big nerd, if in case you haven't figured this out, but I really love history. What? Huh? And I actually really love studying queer history because it also shows Amen. you that, you know, we've always existed. Like there's no, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much. When you control history, you can, con- you know, you can control a population, right? Like you yeah. control the narrative. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, read 1984. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's critically important absolutely. to know your history. So yes, agreed. Yep. So we're gonna go, you know, we have George telling his very sad story. And they're so tender together. Yes. Lance is so such a good husband. Yes, they are. They have a beautiful relationship. They really do. It's beautiful. Lance holds him and kisses his hands and like, yeah, aww. You know, when George is saying that you know he came home from the war and there was nothing left of his village but ash, and uh-huh. he vowed that his family would never get mixed up in fighting or the princesses again. Uh-huh. And and Lance, you know, holds like holds some space for him and then kind of mm-hmm. moves mm-hmm. into like a let's think of a happier thing, but not like yeah. a weird gaslighty thing. It's like, well, I know what'll lighten yeah. the mood. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He lets him have that moment, uh-huh. and then he tries to be like, okay, we've had that moment. We're not going to live in this moment. Right, right. Let's move out of it now. Two baby pictures. With some baby pictures. Bo's first bubble bath. Which Adora is all for it. I want to see the bubble baths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a goofball. Yeah, and Bo's like, I'm going to show my friends my room now. Yeah. You know, we need to escape from this situation. Yep, yep. So we escape from this situation and Glimmer is like, what the hell? And Adora's just sitting there still eating. Yes, in any situation, if there is food, Adora's going to find it. That's another big, you know, character thing for her. I love this. I love goofball Adora in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she really shines when she's being goofy. So we learn that, you know, Bo's dads don't know he's a rebellion fighter. They think that he's at boarding school and... Mm -hmm, Because it would break their hearts to know the truth. Yeah, and like... This is kind of where the we really start to have like the the theme of the seri- the show which is coming out and you know explaining the truth right because we also have that parallel story with Catra. Mhm. I mean, this is one of the only times that we have any type of story on the show that could be considered a coming out story. Absolutely. So we have Bo saying, you know, Glimmer's like, this is why you never talked about your past. And she thought Bo was like dark and broody and painful. Right, 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 right. So she feels a little betrayed. Right. Which makes sense, right? Which like, I understand, of yeah. course. Um, and then Bo's like, no, I love my dads, but they had this narrative that I was going to do these things and I never wanted to do that. And I can't right. tell them that I am, you know... You know, I secretly taught myself these things. I said I was making, you know, I pretended that I was at a boarding school. And he was like, I don't want to disappoint them if I tell them who I am. Right. And I don't want to hurt them. Yeah, yeah. He feels like his truth would hurt them. Absolutely. And 
Oh, Bo. And Adora I'm points so out sorry. that this seems really elaborate. It seems really elaborate. Like, that is, like, some deep closet stuff. Yeah, yeah. And these, you know, it's not like his dads are mean. Right. No, they're lovely. They're nice and they, sweet. And they love Bo, but, like, they right. have, like... And that's the thing. Like, he's not afraid that they are going to reject him or kick him out of the family. He just doesn't want to hurt them. He doesn't want to hurt them because they have super strong opinions on, like... You know, the Princess Alliance. Everything. Uh, I mean, they've super, yeah. they are like super strong opinion. But Everything when it comes to Bo and yeah. what his life should look Absolutely. like. Absolutely. So. So you're just going to lie to them forever? Yeah. Uh, yeah not forever. Not forever. Just for the foreseeable future. But then Bo points out that they have, you know, they have probably what they're looking for. So they can, you know, sit around because they're just a pair of yeah. Gileses. So, so Also, yes, they are a, a, an adorable threesome of Gileses. Mm-hmm. And also, Bo, you know, asks them to just play along and keep his secret. And he gives them, you know, the big anime puppy Bambi eyes, mm-hmm. which later Lance also does. And that's a cute little father-son thing. Like a shared thing. And then we have... We have Adora saying, we can be scholars. How hard can it be? And of course- How hard can it be? And, uh, yes. And of course, anytime <laughs> anybody says, how hard can, can it be uh, in anything, they yeah, of course yeah. are proved that it is indeed yeah. quite hard. Actually, it wasn't that hard. Well, uh, it worked out pretty well, well I mean, in this episode. Yeah. I mean, Adora's acting like a fucking dumbass, but like- I know. Yes. Yes. So they get a little bit more of their backstories that they are supposed to memorize, uh-huh. which they are definitely not going to memorize. So then we switch to the Fright Zone and Catra's a a fucking mess, right? Yep, yep. Scorpia is trying to be helpful, but she doesn't know what she's looking for, so it's hard to be helpful. And, like, I get that, right? Like, Scorpia's just like, I want to be here for you. How can I be here? And Catra's... Yeah, how can I help? Yep. And, of course, Catra's pushing her away. Catra's just like, snark, 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 snarkity, snark. Snarkity, snark. And Scorpia, who does have some boundary issues. Yes, she does. And we have pointed this out plenty of times. But does also wrap Catra in, like, the kitty burrito. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does. So uh, if for uh, folks that are not familiar with this, um, uh, when you are a cat owner, cats do not like specific things like, uh, like anybody violating their bodily autonomy. Um, so in order sometimes to get a cat to calm down to say, you know, give them medicine or something like that, what you do is you, you wrap up the cat in a towel and there's a very specific way where you fold the towel and wrap it up so they're like swaddling a baby it's like swaddling a baby so their claws can't come out and bite you in the face uh and a lot of like vet techs and stuff i learned this from a vet tech call it the burrito because you're literally wrapping the cat in like a burrito yeah i actually didn't think of that but that is 100 accurate yeah i gotta love the Um, burrito i feel like you know that could also be done you know to a human that's sensory overload way of calming a panic yeah, attack good point good point blanket type of thing yeah absolutely um, you know a parasympathetic nervous system response yes absolutely way to combat a panic attack yeah absolutely absolutely either way but they probably they probably were thinking of your thing though the kitty burrito it's, it's, yeah. cu- it's yeah. cuter it's much cuter yeah in fact i just took my kitty to the vet this week mm-hmm. um and they did they did exactly that uh-huh. to take a blood draw yep. from her leg yeah yeah. That's a much more adorable image. And it works. It does. She she does get Catra to calm down enough to spit out the actual truth of the matter, which is that Shadow Weaver escaped. Yeah. And Scorpia, of course, reacts exactly as we know she will. She's like, I 
you and I can handle this I together. Know. I'm here for you. I got you. We can, you know, we can reach out to Entrapta. We can find her. Your friends have your back. Yeah. And Catra does not want to involve Entrapta because Entrapta is not good at secrets. Nope. So Scorpia is fine with that. She's like, all right, we'll find Shadow Weaver, just the two of us. Sadly, they do not see little imp up in the rafters. Uh-oh. I'm usually I'm usually weirdly a fan of Imp, but not right now. Yeah, eh, not me. Mind your business, Imp. Mind your business. But Imp is like, hey, 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 hey. Yes. So. Wait. Away he swoops on his little demonic cherub wings. Away he swoopeth. Then we swoop back to the library. Yes, yes. Where Lance is so fucking happy showing them all his historical toys. He's like, here's a picture and here are some tablets and here's where Bo played pretend as a little boy and we yes. see Bo's little special play for it cave thing. It was so And they so left cute. it exactly as it I was know. probably for the last like 15 years. I know, it's so cute. Very cute. Like I wouldn't mind crawling in there. I could sleep in that little fort. Yeah, right? It looks awesome. And Glimmer guesses, based on everything she knows of her friend, that Bo used to like playing pirates as a child. And Lance was like, no, Bo was playing historian. And like, Lance, I think Bo was probably playing pirates. Yeah. And they just didn't want to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And of course, Adora's going in there as oh, Mr. Bo's dad, sir, as yes, first one adorable. historians. I love the Mr. Bo's dad. Once again, kind of showing that yes. Adora has yes. no concept of family. Uh, yeah, but like, you know, she's just willing to dive into this head first. Sure. Like once she's committed, once she's committed to this part, she's like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, she's committed to the she's committed to the role, right? So she's yes. doing it. Yes. And she's leveraging this moment to see what they know about Shira. Yep. And this is when we have more of like the goofy poking fun at the archaeology, getting stuff wrong yes. stuff. And so, so yeah, all the, the, the translation, the fact that no one actually speaks first ones right. except for Adora in this whole place. Yep. And they joke that they think the name was actually Hera. And she's like, well, that's not right. And Bo's like, shut up. Yeah, you don't know that for sure because no one actually speaks this language, right? And then we have like a really, a really cute little uh, throwback to uh, He-Man who says, you know, for the power of Grayskull. Right, right. And that is not correct. Adora says it's for the honor of Grayskull. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then... We see this etching that apparently a past Shira at some point did have a dragon. And Adora's like, what the hell? I wish I had a dragon. Yeah. Uh, or doesn't finish that, but is definitely like, I want a dragon. Did, it wasn't Mara? Do you think it was another, like, Shira? I don't think we ever saw Mara with a dragon. Yeah, yeah. So I think it, it must have been... An older Shira. An older Shira who got a who used her magical sword, probably right, like transform to summon, to a, summon dragon. a dragon or some shit. Who transform knows? something into a dragon. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, that Shira instead of transforming a horse, transformed a lizard more effectively than Adora did. Right, Adora just made like a wacky psychedelic tiny, lizard buddy, tiny party lizard, but tiny party lizard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know, the Shira knew what she was doing more and intentionally made a dragon. Intentionally, which, that's dope, though. Baller, yeah. Right? <laughs> anyway, so Adora is a little too enthusiastic about this. Bo is freaking out because he's still trying, above all, to maintain their cover. Yep. So then we have, uh, you know, princess nonsense, you know. Yes. So, George. yeah, basically, they're trying to keep their stories straight. Adora forgets that she's supposed to be an art major. Mm-hmm. 
And she talks about the history. And then she has to double down. Uh, yes, history, art, art history. That's three. That's three. Uh, adult. I'm a triple major. And I also teach unless that's not a thing students do. <laughs> Which, Is like, it hot in here? It's like, a, <laughs> but she says a, a major. She says she's a triple, yes. a triple major. Right, so. right, right. right. Um, I, I love when Lance is like, how are your studies? And Glimmer's like, you know, f- the physics are good. Like, yeah. the first one has <laughs> the physics. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's. Yeah. And they're good. Yeah, that's they're how good. it's going. The history is also good. Physicsing away. Uh, physics, you know, they're just physicsing, you know. The laws of the like universe. They yeah, they just they're yeah. just physicsing about NBD. Yeah. <laughs> Maintaining the physical laws of the universe Which is as great. they do. You know, Glimmer's not yeah. you know, Glimmer's great. She's keeping an eye on it, making sure shit's happening. Yeah. I like that physics was was chosen because Glimmer's teleportation just kind of defies the laws of physics. So Yeah, that's very true, very true. And so during this exchange, Glimmer and George have a little conversation where Glimmer finds out more of how they see Bo and how uh-huh. Bo was before he came to Bright Moon. Yeah. He was shy, quiet. He didn't have many friends. Uh-huh. And, you know, before he met Glimmer, he was yep. a very different person. He was a different person. And I I do love that even though he's, like, kind of, like, living this double life or whatever, he still tells his parents about his friends. And I love yeah. that. Yeah, right, like I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's telling as much truth as he can. Right. So he's telling his emotional truth. He's telling his emotional truth, right? Yeah. So they eventually, Bo finds a way to try to ask them a question that will give them the information they need without blowing his cover. Mm-hmm. So he says they have first for school. They have a first one's puzzle to solve. Uh huh. I love that. So we ask them if they have heard of Serenia, and Lance is like, oh. Oh, it was a mythical first one's hero. They think. But here's here's some research. Yep. And then I love that Lance and George have a little like like a little like snarky back and forth about like, well, some people think she was a real person and some yes. people think the Elberon date the Elberon phase dates only back one millennia. Like they're like, right, ooh, we're right. nerds. We're having their their ongoing nerd snark is very adorable. I love it. I love it. It's super yeah, relatable yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So they've got this huge pile of research to go through, and it's not even everything they have. It's only what's on the first floor. And then this is another really, really sweet moment, because Glimmer says, oh, this is going to take hours. And Lance says, hours, days, maybe weeks. And if you're really lucky, it might take you a whole lifetime. No, that's so wholesome. And I think he, like, takes George's hand and, like, mm-hmm. gives him, like, know. you know, love eyes. I know. They love each other. And they love history. And they love historying together. They are married people goals. I'm, for real, right? Aww. Yeah. 13 kids later. 13 kids. That's a lot of kids. Holy. That's a lot of kids. Holy bajoli. We're going to imagine that all of those kids are adopted, that they were, uh, you know, orphaned by the war. Uh, or like, you know, Ethereum magic lets everybody have kids yeah. together, you know. That's true. Perhaps it is magic. Who knows? Um, but I love that. I love that, you know, George kind of like melts a little bit. and It's like, you're so corny. It's so cute. 
That's so which cute. is just which really means like oh, I love you. Uh huh. I know it's so cute. Yeah. And then we have Adora going through and being like, well, this one's just about aqueducts. <laughs> like yeah. So this is mislabeled. So Adora reveals that she can understand first one's writing. And Lance is like, what? Yes. So the dads now freak out. Oh yeah. And and Adora's like, uh, I study linguistics. It's a fifth or a sixth or fourth or seventh or a major. I'm just losing count. And they're. Not even like paying attention to the gaps in her story because they are just super super excited, right? That's that she can be their first one's translator, exactly. And so George pulls up his sleeve and has a tattoo on his forearm, a first one's tattoo, a first one's tattoo, and it's like, what does this say? And Dora's like, uh, it says lunch. And I love this because this happens yep. fucking all of oh, the yeah. time. Yes. And Lance starts cracking up. George says he thought it said love. And this is very much a cultural call out. Yeah. It, like inside joke. That's not really an inside joke at all. Yeah. Like everybody, everybody knows plenty of people who have tattoos and languages that they do not understand. They do not understand. You know, in the 90s, it was really big to have, like, Chinese tattoos. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like, no, it means strength. And it was like... Yeah, it means I'm an asshole. Yeah, so this is a great story. So this is one in particular that kind of tickled Jenny and I, because as you know, we're both Jews. So, uh... So this gentleman was in a Walmart and saw somebody that had a tattoo and was like what a hebrew tattoo a hebrew tattoo he didn't have the heart to tell him that the guy thought his tattoo meant strength when really the tattoo said matzah matzah is the flat cracker bread that we eat on passover it's not strength folks it's the word for strength is otzma uh-huh which has most of the same letters as matzah but not in the same order right so so obviously this guy you know did not actually know the word. He was just trusting someone else who he should not have trusted, who was either playing a joke on him or just had no idea what they were doing. So now he's going around with a tattoo on his arm that says basically cracker. Right. So that was the... <laughs> and he's telling everyone it says strength. It just says strength. So like... I love that. So that was one that was going around. That's one example out of so, so, so many. But I thought that one was funny because... Yeah, yeah. And of course, like a lot of Jewish people who do read Hebrew, that's circulated around a lot. Uh-huh. The joke is, oh, he should get chametz on the other hand. Oh, I loved that. Yes. You know, and there- chametz is bread, yeah. which is what you don't eat on Passover. Uh-huh. So those are like two opposites. It would be like if you had milk and cookies or peanut butter and jelly. Oh, you my know, God. Whatever. That's actually kind of a cool idea. But yeah. So it's just one example of so many. Yeah. And, um, I have Hebrew tattoos on both arms. Uh-huh. Um, on my left arm, I have... I don't know if I would call it a sleeve. I have a big phoenix that wraps all the way around my arm and it has three tail feathers of fire. And there's one word in each of the three tail feathers. It says, which means I am what I am. I will be what I will be. I am becoming what I am becoming. Um, You can look it up if you're interested. It's Exodus 3.14. It's God's answer to Moses. Mm -hmm. When Moses asked God, what is your name? So I like that a lot because it's the idea of divinity as continually becoming yourself. I love that. As as a state of divinity. And, you know, that relates a lot to the phoenix as constantly becoming more your own authentic self. Right. And then on my right arm, um, I have a simple hineni, which means 
literally it means behold me, uh-huh. but it's the archaic form for I am here. And there's another story behind that, which we don't have to get into. But so when I was a camp counselor, I only had the Hineni. And um, I remember some of the older kids one day noticing it and asking me about it. And so I told them what it meant and that it was Hebrew. Uh-huh. And they said, wow, you speak Hebrew? And I said, of course, I would never get a language, a tattoo in a language that I don't understand. Exactly. Don't do that. I said, don't do that, kids. Like, do not get a tattoo in a language that you don't speak. Because first of all, you don't know what it really says. And second of all, it's really disrespectful. Absolutely. Because you don't have any connection. Like, why? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Why are you getting a tattoo in a language that you have no connection to? Like, it's not your language. It's not your culture. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, unlike this woman, uh, which is from uh, another example, who got who uh said that she wanted the tattoo of i love my boyfriend the name of the boyfriend on her back but because she used the babylon translator um it ended up she ended up with a tattoo saying babylon is the world's leading dictionary and translation software (laughs) oh my god uh see there you go so uh uh folks stick to languages that you can speak and vet for yourself yeah with your own brain with your own brain that you have a connection to so there we go but luckily Bo's dads take this all in good stride they're laughing about it lance thinks that's hilarious and is like adora's great he loves adora so they dive in now to this first one's research now that they have their own personal Google Translate human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not Babylon is the world's greatest. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and now we have a little Bo and Glimmer time. Yeah. I just love that Bo gets his dorky naming and puns from his dad who says, you know, let us go the onward, the best research squad. And I'm like, aw. Yes. So yes. cute. I thought about that too. Yeah, they do a really good job of reflecting how much of Bo is in his dad's. Yeah, and that's really, you know, it's awesome. It's very, very sweet. Um, but we see, you know, Glimmer is finally able to have a little bit of one-on-one time with Bo. Uh-huh. Like, you know, what's up with you? You have a secret family <laughs> that I never knew about, and I thought you were my best friend, and I thought I knew you, and now I feel like I don't know you at all. Right, right. And, and Bo is like, no, you actually know the real me. Um, you know, I act like somebody I'm not because I don't want to hurt my family. And Right. Oh, Bo. And Glimmer, as an objective outsider to this situation, and Bo has been in this situation for so long that he certainly doesn't see it clearly anymore. If he ever did, he says, Glimmer says, Bo, your dads love you. I'm sure they'll love the real you. And Bo is not quite ready to hear that. Not quite ready to hear that. He says, I've tried to tell them, but they don't want to hear the truth. So I just pretend. And, of course, we see evidence that that has been the case. You know, he certainly wasn't playing historian no. when he was five. No, exactly. But that's what they wanted to see. And that's probably true for most parents. Yeah, and both, you know, and this is, you know, very much more coming out rhetoric. Uh, they, yes. They, you know, I, I'm nothing like the rest of my family. I've tried to tell them, but they don't want to hear, so I pretend. Yes, yes, absolutely, 100%. 100% coming out rhetoric. 100% coming out rhetoric. I think maybe this is a good segue to tell some coming out stories. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go out first. So I'll go first. Um, so I have come out uh, as LGBT and Q. Um, That's th- a lot. I, I know. I have the egot of uh, of of gay. So egot, by the way, is um, 
Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Yep, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. And it is uh, kind of one of, very few people have one. And it is the like, are you the ultimate performer? Then you get these. So um, I first came out to my mother um, when I was like trying to go do some gay activism stuff. And she's like, well, why do you want to go? What's going on there? And I was like, ugh. So I came out to my mother. This was when I came out as B. So I came out as bisexual. Um, and I said to my mom, yeah, you know, like I want to go because I'm, you know, I, you know, I came out as bisexual, but I definitely am more interested in women because this was the nineties. Right. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm still working within that We're framework, baby stepping. baby step. And it's yeah. also still working within that framework of what, you know, yeah. what gender and queer was at that point. So, mm-hmm. uh, and so my mom looks at me and she says, well, I already knew that, but when are you going to quit smoking cigarettes? Because nice. Uh, I was like, what? How did you know I smoked? Right? Like I had to come out and as like both a cigarette smoker. And right, because queer. teenagers have no idea that when you smoke cigarettes, you smell like smoke. Right, right. And my mother was a smoker so i would like and like i was stealing cigarettes from her obviously she was gonna fucking figure that out right um and when i came out to anyone else in my family they all were like yeah no shit and I'm like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. Why is this so yeah. anticlimactic? Yeah. yeah, how did everyone else know before me? Right. Why didn't you tell me? But I was very I was very lucky though, because you know, like my family was has always been supportive. And ever since I've come out as all the other things, they've been like, cool. Fuck yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. So I'm lucky on that though. I I I feel very blessed and very lucky, especially for when I came out, because even though the nineties were pretty gay, yeah. it was it yeah. was still kind of working. It was a very transitional time. It was a very transitional time. Yeah, yeah. I also was very lucky. And it was very clear to me how lucky I was because as I I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, I went to a city run queer youth group. And I was the only kid there who went to private school and all my friends in public school had a much rougher time than I did. They were, you know, not physically safe at school. Most of them did not have supportive parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was very clear to me how, how lucky I was. So I also came out to my mom first. I had no filter as a teenager and I certainly had no filter with my parents. That's one of the things about having parents who don't have their shit together and are struggling with mental illness is that it's often difficult, but there was no reason to keep secrets from them because they're like, listen, we don't have our shit together. Right. You have your shit more together than we do. We're not in, we're clearly not in charge of you. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're doing, you're doing your best and you know, we know you're doing a good job and we're all kind of like, if anything, you're in charge of us. So I didn't have a reason to have a filter or keep secrets. So I told my parents everything right away because, you know, we just processed our stuff together and Uh that was as therapeutic as anything. So I came out to my mom, like, as soon as I came out to myself. I spent all of ninth grade obsessively crushing on the most beautiful girl in school. If you can imagine, like, a Rachel Berry character with a good personality, (laughs) you know? Like that was that was the, my Women my crush girl. Good I spent all of ninth grade so in love with this girl and trying to figure out what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you know, I thought about her all day, all night. Aww. Stared at the back of her head in assembly. Aww. You know, I just was completely in love with her. She was the star of every spring musical. So when I was in eighth grade and she was in eleventh grade, of course, all the eighth graders, you know, want to go to the high school musical because it was a K through twelve school. So she was Mary Magdalene in Jesus Christ Superstar oh, wow. when she was in 11th grade and I was in 8th grade. So we were there every night for that week-long run. And the, oh, the boy so who played Jesus, the boy who played Jesus had a full beard. And I legit thought he was a teacher in the high school until the sh- 
the first night of that show. I was like, why is a teacher in the musical? And I was like, no, uh, no, that's that's a high school student. No. So, of course, all the girls were obsessed with him. Right, right. Except, except for me. <laughs> I was obsessed with Rebecca Deshpande, and she knows this story, and she thinks it's awesome that <laughs> she's my coming out story. But at the time, of course, I did not understand what was happening. But, like, I just, you know, I was done. This, you know, yep. tiny, beautiful girl with this voice that just fills this giant auditorium. Mm-hmm. Aww. And so in the fall, we had a class together, even though she was a senior and I was a freshman. Because we have a lot of flexibility in our school. And if you take all of your first, second language requirements before you hit 12th grade, you can take a third language. Oh, cool. So she she was doing that. She had taken every available French class and now she flipped over to Spanish. Cool. And I was on the accelerated Spanish class. So if you've already mastered second language, of course, they're going to put you in the accelerated track. Right, right, right. So we were in the same accelerated Spanish class and she was with the freshman, even though she was a senior. Right. Thank God I am really good with languages. (laughs) Because I did not pay attention that entire year. Aww. I did not study. I did not listen. And I still got first place in the national Spanish exam three years in a row. Good even for though, you. I mean, I'm telling you, I really did not do anything in that class except stare at her. Oh, Jenny, that's that's so cute. It was tough. It was tough. Yeah. Um, I was really in deep and I just couldn't talk about it. Yeah. Because I didn't have words. I didn't have a vocabulary. I could not process it. And so I had this really profound experience with my brain, which was kind of scary because I realized when my brain finally stopped fighting me, um, we were in the basement having rehearsal for West Side Story, which was the spring musical when I was in ninth grade Uh and she was in 12th grade. She was Anita and I was just a chorus girl. Uh And I was also the props master because I'm gay. I have to have a behind the scenes job as well. Jenny, the only time I ever did like any sort of like uh, crew or anything in, in middle school that's what I was. I was the props master. Yes, it's a very gay job. Yeah, it is. So I was around more than the average chorus participant because I had this extra job. So I got to spend more time with her than I otherwise would have. Aww. And, you know, I, I was forced to deal with it. And it just built up more and more and more. And so we were rehearsing um, this big dance number. And, of course, she was in the front. She's one of the stars. Right. And it was getting close to opening night. The number wasn't fully choreographed. Everybody was really frustrated. And we got to a point where there was no more choreography. And the director said, Rebecca, just do something sexy here. And everyone laughed because everyone knows that everything this girl does is sexy. Right. And she doesn't have to, like, try. Right. It's like saying, why don't you just keep breathing, you know? <laughs> oh, and so Jenny. in that moment of shared understanding, my subconscious block that I had been working so hard to maintain just broke. Mm-hmm. This damn ha- just broke violently in a moment. It was so concrete. Wow. Boom. You're gay. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you want to sleep with this girl. And you're like, oh, I That's exactly yeah. what is happening. And you're like, well. And I was like, and I had a huge panic attack and I ran out of the room because I was like, oh my God, my brain is keeping secrets from me. Oh. What else has my brain been keeping secret from me oh. that I don't know about? Oh, Jenny. So that was a really scary experience for me. And when my mom picked me up that day, I told her immediately in the car what was going on. But I was still not prepared. I also came out as bisexual for like two weeks <laughs> because I wasn't fully prepared to leap off the platform of social safety mm-hmm. in one fell swoop. Right, right. So I started off by saying, I think maybe I might possibly be bisexual. And I think it took me 30 seconds to get that full sentence out. Mm-hmm. And my mom's reaction, both my parents were very supportive, but my mom's initial gut reaction, which I understand, 
was to reassure me that everyone questions their sexuality and that that's normal and it doesn't automatically mean I'm gay. Right. So she was, I think she was mostly trying to reassure me that it didn't mean anything to question. Right, right. But it's, it, you're still normal. It's normal to question. Right, everyone questions. right, 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 right. So I think she leaned on that a little too heavy initially. But, you know, she's like, and especially because I didn't say it as a definitive statement. Right, Because right. I was still very unsure. So, you know, she gave me space. And then um, I went to stay with my dad for the weekend, and I said the same sentence to him, Uh and my dad had an even sweeter reaction. He said, well, honey, whenever I'm not sure about something for myself, I read a book about it. And then if it resonates, you'll know. Oh. So he took me to College Hill Bookstore, and he bought me a copy of the only lesbian book he knew at the time, which is Ruby Fruit Jungle by Rita Mae Brown. Yes, classic. A classic. That is a great book. Uh, 1960s queer classic, which I recommend. And it did indeed resonate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was fun. And then the last little tidbit I will leave you with is I waited a couple years to come out to my grandma because my mom begged me to mm-hmm. because she knew that it would be difficult for her. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I waited until I was 16 to come out to my grandma. And then I tried to do it in a nonchalant way. I was like in her kitchen helping her make dinner. We're like chopping some raw chicken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said, Grandma, you know I'm a lesbian, right? Because, you know, it seemed pretty obvious at that point. Yeah. And she was just sort of silent for a minute. And then she said, I told your mother she shouldn't let you spend so much time with all those theater people dressed in black. <laughs> uh, and I tried to explain to her that she was, like, reversing the causality on that. Right. But... She didn't get sh- And then she said, just don't tell your grandfather. Oh, my and God. And we never talked about it right, again. Right, right. But she never gave me a hard time about it. Right, right. So, you know, she was as cool as she could possibly as be. As she could possibly be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my parents certainly have always been very loving. My dad even let me have sleepovers with my girlfriend in high school. He had zero problem with that. Actually, my mom did, too. Aww. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying my dad. My dad went out of his way to make it clear that he understood that these were sexy sleepovers and that it was okay. Mm-hmm. My mom was just like, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So those are our very wholesome coming out stories. Very, very wholesome. And we're really lucky that we were able to have really wholesome coming out stories, especially for the time that when we came out. So Yes. And it's not yes. easy for it's not easy for everybody. And it's not easy, you know, people come out, you know, people continuously come out. And I think one thing that Jenny and I have both said to, you know, folks is that you always, you're always coming out. It's never one time. That's right. You know, you're always coming out. You're always figuring out new things about yourself. And it's okay. It is okay to continue to come out. It is okay to continue to explore who you are, what your gender is. It's okay to change. Yes. And it's okay to change. It is okay. Like, be as gay as you want to be, you know? And love who you want to love, even if it doesn't match up with the identity that you thought you had established for yourself last last year or last week. And have the gender that you want. Fuck yeah. Dude, just just be it, man. Be as queer as you need to be. Yes, yes. Be the queer you want to see in the world. Be the queer you want to see in the world. Embrace queer joy. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that is our... um, positive queer elder moment uh you want to get yes. back into adora being yes, a total yes. dumbass sorry sorry if i rattled on a little no, bit no no that's great but my wholesome gayness cannot be contained no, nor can mine anyway so back we are in the library with lance and adora 
Uh-huh. And um, Lance is very excitedly showing Adora, uh, uh, you know, him and George's favorite thing, but they don't know what it is. And yes, and it has some writing on it. They don't know what it says. And (laughs) Adora, the eternal dumbass that she can be, not that she is, but she... That she can be. Says, oh, this one's easy. It's a password to open it. Like, not thinking, like, you know, that it's should be password. anything. It's a password. A password. She it can't says, even say the word password normally. I know. She says, Eternia. And it opens up. Yep. And here comes our little beastie for the episode. And we learned that it's called an elemental. I don't know why it's called an elemental. I don't even, I can't even question the world building at this point anymore. Well, I, I actually, even though I'm usually not one of the world building people, I it makes sense to me because they refer okay. to the they refer to the princesses who have runestones as the elemental princesses. So this is like an element. So these this is an I think elemental is probably shorthand for like oh it's a guardian of one of the elemental runestones. Oh, like an elemental guardian. Okay, I got you. I got you. I'm with you. Yeah, just like just like the the giant bugs in the Northern Reach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the giant pill bugs. So the yeah, elemental yeah. opens up and. Lance is super stoked. Yeah, Lance is super stoked for like a second until he realizes that it's here to attack them. Everyone is, ah! And then Adora's like, don't worry, it's an elemental. That'll be a piece of cake. Yeah. Hold my beer, I got this. Hold my beer, I got this. And then she just straight up turns into Shira in front of everybody with, uh, once again, she... <laughs> She feels still feels the need to oh. put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> this is my favorite for the honor oh, no. of Great Skull, and it like it, it, it so resonates, funny. and it's really really goofy. Yeah, yeah. and then Bo says that Adora is a sixth major in Shira, right? Because like that's definitely a thing when you major in Shira, you can just turn into her, right? NBD. Not even Shira studies, yeah, just Shira. just Shira. And I'm like, she kind of—it's yeah. kind of her first major, honestly. I mean, yes, indeed. If uh, if she was in school, that would be her first major. So she starts—you know—she's outed herself now mm-hmm. as Shira. She starts doing her thing, and then Glimmer joins in, outs herself as a teleporting princess, uh-huh. starts doing her thing. Uh-huh. And so they're fighting this elemental, and Bo is like, Bo's really trying to keep it together, but obviously there's no way that he can do that, right? Yeah. And finally, Lance is like, Bo, are your friends princesses? And then George is like, you're going to tell us what is happening right now. And Bo is like, actually, right now, we need to... Right now might not be the time. Right now might not be the time. And then Bo is like, we have to act. We've run into them before. Bo shows that he understands the situation and knows how to handle it. And Bo comes out. Yep. Yep. And Bo is kind of forced to come out, which is kind of a bummer, but... But it, it works out okay. It works out okay. Sometimes you're forced to come out and it actually works out okay. They figure out, you know, Lance says that it was found alongside the runestone shard. You know, Bo is like, you're a genius, dad. And, you know, he'll explain to everything. You know, I'll explain everything, but you have to trust right. me. And right. then, Bo, you know, Bo jumps into the fray. So now all three of them, best friend squad, are doing yep. their thing yep. in, in full... Witness of Bo's dads. In full witness of Bo's dads. They're doing their thing. Glimmer saves the dads. Yeah, they're about to get slammed. So Glimmer teleports them. It's been, it's really nice meeting you. Right? Yeah. Uh, and yep. then we have yep. Bo's, Bo's hero moment where Bo reaches to get his arrows, 
can't get them and so completely you know does the one last thing that Bo needs to really turn into yep. Bo and yep. rips the bottom of his shirt off exposing his midriff of power yes <laughs> his midriff of power so that is 100% spot on so Bo gets his arrows uh, fighting 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 and they win in the end and they win in the end Bo figures out you know takes the runestone Shows it to the elemental. The elemental takes it, powers down, turns into a pill bug again. I love this. Glimmer says, that's my bow. And then she returns into Adora. And this is when Bo comes out to his family. Yep. Yep. It's truth time. <laughs> and it's like, there's no Academy of Historic Enterprises, which like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, I made up the school of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I made up the school of learning and things. Um, I live at Bright Moon. I'm in the Rebellion. Yep. And then it's like, I don't want to be oh, a historian. And this reminds me of one thing I wanted to say. Like, it's one thing that they don't know Adora is She-Ra because that's not really public knowledge. But like, do they, they're academics. Do they not recognize Glimmer as the princess of Bright Moon? That's like if you came home and it's like, yeah, this is my friend Malia Obama. She's just my friend from the soccer She's team. She's just my buddy. And I was like, oh, yeah, how you doing? No one knows the last <laughs> name Obama. Like, <laughs> it's just funny that they don't know who Glimmer is, but you got to let it go. So so Bo is like, and then says, you know, I'm, I'm not a shy bookworm. I've never wanted to do this. I'm not a genius, which Bo, you're downplaying yourself. You, you're a tech genius. You're just. He's a different type of genius than the type that they recognize. Yeah, it's like, I make things. I'm a soldier. Um, yep. And I can't lie about it anymore, even though I'm breaking your hearts. And George is the best. Yes, his dads have the most wonderful reaction you could hope it's for. It's like, what breaks our hearts is the fact that you had to lie to us. You thought you had to they lie. Thought, excuse me. Yeah, you thought you had to lie to us. And Bo is like, totally like, you're not mad. And George and Lance are like, of course not. We yeah. love he you. He says, but I'm a fighter and you hate fighters. Yeah, and, it, and I love the, um, we love you, who you are. We were just trying to encourage you to pursue your dreams. We weren't, didn't realize that this wasn't your dream. And then Lance right. is like, we were being terrible. We right, started. Lance says the exact same line to Bo that Bo said to Adora in, I believe, episode 104, which flowers for Shira when they kept oh. hyping her up without her permission talking her up to um, Perfuma's people like, oh, of course she can save you. Of course she can do this and that. You should hear about all these other great things she can do. That's a great callback. And back. at the end of that episode, Bo said to Adora, I thought I was being supportive, but really I was being terrible. That is a great callback. And that's callback. exactly what yeah. Lance says to Bo here. And, you know, George says, we love you the way you are, and we're proud of you no matter what path you take in life. And yeah. what a great response. And then they all cry happy, uh -huh. happy tears. And then they have a big family hug. Yeah, And then George and Lance invite them in, invite Adora and Glimmer in, because George and Lance also know that found family is family. That's right. All queers know that. All queers know that. It's true. All queers know that. It's part of our queer DNA. That's right. So they have a big hug. It's really, really beautiful. Moment. It's really beautiful. And so now we get to our kind of important exposition-y stuff that we need yes. to know. Yes, yes, yes. Bo is like, okay, here's the real deal. Like, you know, I came home because I, you know, I came home, but we actually need your help on this. Right. This is why we really need to know this word Serenia. And so they're trying to figure out what do these other words mean? And then George is like, wait a minute. I don't think these are words. I think they are 
Bum, bum, bum. And then we learn constellations, baby. Constellations. So, of course, they have a projector, right? So they have like the Of course little, they like, do. They have their own little home planetarium, right, exactly. which is totally sick. Exactly. I know, right? I want. Well, I would turn that shit on every night at bedtime. Well, well I mean, you've seen the like, you've seen the lights that have like the. They, ha- they make them. They make like the. Oh, I know. The, I know. Yeah. I mean, I have a. I have this cool nightlight that's like, um, like half laser show in the planetarium and half like underwater kind of lighty. <laughs> that's awesome. So, and it also changes color. Nice. And it's really good for like chill down, getting ready for sleep vibes. Totally. And it turns itself off after an hour. Oh, that's great. That's great. So you can just go to sleep with it and then not worry about wasting electricity by leaving it on all night. That's awesome. Yes, yes. So the world, you know, so they learn about, you know, they say the world of the first ones was different, climate language, even the sky, and they were filled with cosmic. Because they were not in an empty dimension. Right. They have. <laughs> stars right and the first ones used them to navigate and named constellations after mythical heroes including serenia so okay okay. so we have you know all these constellations and everything uh they you know so in etheria they've never heard of that yeah it almost it doesn't really make sense that they would have any way of having access to knowledge about constellations at all because right they've never existed anywhere except in despondos but we gotta let it go. We gotta let it go. Um, which also, you know, this kind of went to me. It's like, okay, so they don't have constellations, which means they don't have astrology on a theory. <laughs> That's right. So no one knows what their their sun, moon, and rising are in Etheria. So you know, but we have astrology based on the princesses. We have astrology based on the princesses, and we're really excited to talk about that um, yes, in the future. Yes. So yes, we will talk about that in a future episode. But we have Lance and George telling them that this particular constellation only appears in the summer and over one place, and Glimmer recognizes where that is, and they're like map planetarium and that is the crimson waste <gasps> the crimson Which waste we cannot wait to get there yeah what is the crimson waste jenny the crimson waste is a no man's land a giant lifeless desert no one's ever made it that far and come back alive damn i wonder what it's like there i wonder if I people have actually lived there i don't think anyone lives there i, I don't think anyone could ever live there i don't it's think a life- so it's a lifeless desert. Lifeless it's like, you know, desert. it's like Black Rock, Nevada, except for the one week a year when Burning Man is there. <laughs> nothing lives. Alkaline Just sand. Alkaline nothing flats, can grow. The far as the eye if, can you see. You know, if you spend if you if you spend too much time there and you don't spray white vinegar on your fingernails and toenails, they will fall out, and that is true. I hate that. Oh yeah. It's I mean it's from the alkaline soil. Yeah, no, I don't that know if makes it's sense. really the soil, the sand, whatever the it dust, is. The dust, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's you know, literally no plants, no bugs, no vegetation, yeah. nothing can grow. That makes sense. And that's why that's why for one week a year you can have ten thousand people show up because that land is not being used for anything else, because it cannot be used for anything else. Wow. Cool. Yeah. It's a dead zone. Just like the Crimson Waste. Just like the Crimson Waste. I'm sure there's nobody there. Nobody there. Nobody there. And George is like, you need to promise me that you'll stay away, kids. They do not make any such promise. They do not they do not make any such promise, but then we kinda then we switch over to the Fright Zone. Yes, we go back to Hordak's Sanctum. Our favorite place. Oh yeah, we love Hordak in the Sanctum. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I felt the need to do that. I just feel like Catra has been through enough this season. Ugh, I know. Already. She's already been through enough this season. She's been through a lot. 
Catra's been called in to see Hordak. He wants to touch base, as she puts it. Uh, Which is so patronizing. Like, is that not something that leaders of teams should do from time to time? uh, Also, like, you know when your boss calls you in to touch base, you're fucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. See how my orders are being carried out. Gross. And Catra's not looking so hot, but it's like, you know, everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And what else is she supposed to do? Right, exactly. And Hordak is like, you know, does this mean Shadow Weaver's been transferred to Beast Island? And Catra's like, uh, yeah, I no. It, totally. Yep. Took care of that. We're never going to see it's her done. again. And then we hear Catra's voice repeating what she said to Scorpia. Yep. Out of Imp's little recorder mouth. I lost Shadow Weaver. Shadow Weaver escaped. I have to find her before Hordak learns the truth. And now we have Catra's little parallel story of being outed. And Catra does not have the best coming out experience. No, she does not have nice dads. No, she does not have nice dads. She has a horrible, a horrible boss instead. Yep. So... He's powering up his air-sucking machine on her. Yeah. We have seen him, as we have seen him do before. And was like, you have lied to me. This was a test and you have failed. And oh, cool. So we have Hordak trying to kill Catra again. And then we don't see what happens. The scene switches to Adora's room. Where we see a certain someone standing over her bed. Who is it, Jenny? It's fucking Shadow Weaver. Ah! It's a crazy fucking cliffhanger to end a season on. And then we have the end of the second season. And when this aired, everyone went, ah! Yeah. Days and nights of gay screaming followed this this cliffhanger of a season finale. Ah, I was wild. Yeah, I remember being very, very frustrated. Oh, same. When this... When I, I was like, that, that's the end of the season? Same. Are you fucking kidding me? I was me? so like, oh my God. I was like, where's the rest of the season? Yeah, I was. Come on. I was pretty pissed too. Yeah. So Jenny. So meth. What did we learn today? We learned that sometimes you don't get a full season of TV. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you get uh, cliffhangers and they are so cruel. They are cruel. But we also learned that sometimes your parents can handle more than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you know they love you, then that's really all that matters. Oh, I love that. And found family. Found family is everything. Found family is everything. And you can combine your family of origin with your found family if you're really lucky. If you're really lucky. If you're willing to take a chance and open your heart. Yep. Oh, I love that. This is such a wholesome episode. It really is. And we also learned not to get a fucking tattoo in a language you don't understand. Yes, I think that's a really important lesson to have. Yeah, it's pivotal. Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to get matching lunch tattoos, you can like and follow us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at HeyAdoraCast, or you can email us all of your tattoo artist recommendations at HeyAdoraCast at gmail.com. Hey, hey, Danny. Hey, Matt. Did, did you know we had a Patreon? I did know. We have the best Patreon in town. We do have the best Patreon in town. That's where we do all of our gay screaming in our free time. It's so fun. So, we, as you know, as you may have heard, we have a Patreon. If you become a member of the Rebellion, you get to, like, hang out with us in, like, 
Discord servers, you get exclusive playlists, you get video hangouts, which we're planning our next video hangout. We're gonna watch more old school She-Ra. And laugh so much. It's super fun, and you get so, so many more perks. You should come and romp gaily with us. Romp gaily with us. And you can find the link to join our Patreon, as well as the link to this week's Spotify playlist, Reunion, in our show notes, or at heyadora.gay. And remember, queer joy is radical. And queer love saves the universe! Woo! Oh, oh, season two! Lunch! <laughs> <laughs>